This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Alright, everybody, welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to be with you. September 19, 2022, and another beautiful sunny day here in Southern California, of course. Actually a bit cooler, which is nice. Uh, we had a, a run there of 90 degree temperatures, a little bit cooler this week. Um, so we will be enjoying that for sure. So like I said, glad to have you with us. Um, We are diving back into a felt need topic today, um, one that I've been working on now for a couple weeks, actually. Um, Our topic today is transcending content. And our minute of transparency this morning, um, I'm just going to call getting fooled. So have you ever been fooled by somebody or something? And when you look back at the situation, you're just shocked at how easy it was, how gullible you are, how naive you were at the time. I'm guessing that we've all had those situations from time to time. Um, but for me, there's one that stands out pretty vividly. It was a, it was a simple image, a picture that I saw on the internet. I can't remember if it was in Google search photos or if it was on social media somewhere, but, but that really isn't important to the overall story. So it was a picture of an elephant carrying a baby lion across the road with the mother lion alongside. I think I posted it on Instagram or or something, you know, just suggesting that, oh, this is the perfect image, suggesting that there's still good in the world or something like that. And it wasn't long before I had numerous com- commenters laughing at me, telling me I was an idiot, that the image wasn't even real. So I looked it up and sure enough, it was a Photoshopped image. The crazy thing is I found an image with the fake version and the real version, all part of the same image. I'll stick it in the show notes so that you can look at it if you want to see it. But that was it. You know, that was my introduction to being easily led astray down, you know, down this path because of my trusting nature, my naivete, whatever it is. And while being duped typically makes you a bit skittish, I'm sure I still struggle with things like this from time to time because I want to believe. I want to trust people. But it's just getting harder and harder with the amount of content being generated around the world. It's getting harder to trust. Which brings us to our topic for this week, transcending content. We're going to walk through three things. First, oh, how content has changed. Number two, being an accurate witness. And number three, navigating the chaotic future. Number one, oh, how content has changed. So I should probably explain what I mean by content before we go too far. So when I was thinking through this episode, my mind was focused on information, the transfer of knowledge, the way that we have accessed information over the years, the options that we have for accessing information, stuff like that. So let's start there. Here are some very obvious communication mechanisms or content creation mechanisms that we've used since the dawn of time and how it has evolved over time to help us communicate, transfer knowledge, or document things. So the first is fairly obvious. Uh, This is verbal communication 
or the oral tradition. So this is the most basic, of course, right? It doesn't require anything other than two people using their voices, having a conversation, most likely face-to-face in the past, although now it could be over Zoom or it could be over FaceTime or something like that. But at the end of the day, verbal communication. Next, we have things like symbols, cave paintings, smoke signals, right? So this was really the start of the content revolution, right? Very simple, very rudimentary forms of communication, putting information out into the world or physically putting information on something so that it could be viewed by other people. Next, we have written content, but I'm going to say primitive written content. So things like chiseling into rock or painting on a rock or writing on papyrus or ancient scrolls, things like that. Next, you have written content in a bit more modern fashion. So this could be, you know, letters, newsletters, magazines, or, or books. And then you have what I would call written content digital. So you've got websites, blog posts, articles, Facebook, Twitter, social media, all of that. And then you have what I would call digital realism. So content that is real to life. So this is television, movies, podcasting, um, online video like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, stuff like that. So these are the ways that we have communicated throughout time. But here are some interesting things to note. First, we don't move from one stage to the next and then leave the previous stage completely behind, right? We still talk to people, right? We still use verbal communication in many ways, like we talked about face-to-face, over devices, now through Zoom. And think about graffiti. What is graffiti if it is not just symbolic cave paintings painted on bridges or buildings? And what are brands and logos if not symbols used to communicate ideas? But yes, we have grown in terms of our content creation and our communication avenues to the point where we have all the different options. Now, another thing that we find interesting is the way that we have come full circle in the length of our content. So think about it this way. We started out very simply, right, with things like symbols and cave paintings. And then we eventually became verbose, writing long articles, full-length books, content creation used to educate, communicate, and entertain. But instead of continuing in that direction, we actually turned around and headed backward, shrinking our content into things like blog posts and then eventually even shorter Facebook posts and eventually tweets that could only be 140 characters in length. Then we even took it to the next level. On Instagram, we could simply post an image, right? Because an image says a thousand words, right? Uh, Today, TikTok is all the rage. So we've given up the writing piece altogether and just gone back to short pieces of verbal communication. And don't forget about the Snapchat phase, although I would love to forget it, where we could literally send a picture to somebody knowing that it would only exist for a few fleeting moments before ceasing to exist forever. And while that's interesting to look at and think about, it isn't really what I wanted to talk about in this episode. What I wanted to discuss is how the content has changed in terms of its validity. Call it the truth factor or how likely the content is to be true. Because this is something that we've really been struggling with these days. Things like fake news, lying in the media, misrepresented ideas. It's rampant. And if you're like me, it's becoming harder and harder and harder to make sense of this very chaotic world. 
it's kind of like standing on quicksand, never really knowing if you've found a firm footing or if you're going to slip and sink in another few inches, which brings us to the next section. Number two, being an accurate witness. So my big question is this, has the validity of our content changed over time? Once more, has the validity of our content changed over time? In other words, was our content more truthful in the past, and is it getting less truthful as we move forward? Now, on some level, this was my hypothesis, right? I was assuming that this was true. But as I thought and really researched through it, I had to admit that I probably wasn't right. People had the same ability to lie versus tell the truth in 3000 BC as they do today. In fact, the Bible includes examples of lying that led to terrible things. So starting with Satan, right? Lying to Adam and Eve led them down a whole path toward sin and sin entering our world. You have the story of Joseph where Potiphar's wife lied about Joseph and then he was thrown into prison for years. Then there's the story of Samson. Samson lied to Delilah numerous times for the fun of it, but it eventually killed him. So it's pretty obvious that lying has been around with us for quite a while. In fact, the main character in the Bible was killed because of the lies of two people. So Jesus was brought before the Jewish council. They wanted to find credible evidence that he was doing something wrong. So they looked for two people who would corroborate their stories about Jesus. And the Bible says they found none. But eventually, two witnesses did come forward, and they were willing to say on the record that Jesus claimed to be God, something that they knew would cause a lot of problems for Jesus. Now, in the Jewish culture, this whole idea of having two or more witnesses was very key to their judicial system, right? It was something that if you were going to be tried for a crime, there had to be at least two people who saw it or who were willing to testify that it happened. Once this was in place, the court could then be sure that the crime had been committed and then move on to sentencing. And this was all tied back to the Ten Commandments, right? The ninth of which is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Pretty clear, right? I mean, if being a false witness was included in the Big Ten, surely this would keep people from lying in court, right? Well, I guess not. But it's the idea of being a credible witness that got me thinking. When we create content, shouldn't we be held to the same standard? Shouldn't we try everything in our power to get it right, to tell the truth, to lead people in the right direction? Now, if you're going to write a fiction novel or make a blockbuster movie, go ahead, stretch the truth. In fact, make up a whole new reality if you want. It's all good. We call it fiction and science fiction and fantasy. Um, and when you're writing that kind of thing, you have that liberty, right, in the name of art. But if you're going to write a nonfiction book, writing real things about real life, you don't really get that same liberty, right? Because people are reading what you write, listening to you, watching you, expecting you to be an accurate witness. For example, if I picked up a biography about some famous person, I would expect that the things in the book were true. I would expect that the biographer did thousands of hours of research, interviewed people, either the person they're writing about or people close to that person to the best of their ability, and then put those truths into the book about that person's life. Now, maybe this will help. I found a website for journalists called the Society of Professional Journalists. 
and I navigated to a page that included a code of ethics. So here are some of the big ideas from that article. Within the code of ethics for professional journalists, here are four specific things that they should be held to. First, seek truth and report it. So this includes verifying information, getting it from the source if possible, not misrepresenting or oversimplifying, um, updating information throughout the life cycle of the story, uh, being cautious in making promises and keeping them if you do, considering a a source's motives before agreeing to hold them as anonymous, avoiding um, undercover or unscrupulous methods of gathering information, providing access to source material when possible, avoiding stereotyping, never deliberately distorting facts, never plagiarizing, and always attributing content to the person who originally wrote it. That's number one. Number two, minimize harm. So balance the public's need for information against the potential harm or discomfort to a person or group of people. Show compassion toward people. Protect the vulnerable. Avoid stories that rise out of lurid curiosity. Be careful not to identify criminal subjects before they have been legally charged. Consider the long-term implications of a permanent publication and be willing to update this information over time when appropriate. So that's number two. Number three, act independently. So avoid conflicts of interest, disclose unavoidable conflicts, refuse gifts or favors or free travel or special treatment for stories. Do not pay people for information. Do not favor special interest groups, advertisers, or donors that are meant to influence your coverage. Distinguish news from advertising and make sure to prominently label sponsored content as such. And finally, number four, be accountable and transparent. So respond to questions about accuracy with clarity and fairness. Acknowledge mistakes. Correct things promptly. Expose unethical conduct in journalism. And abide by the same standards you hold others to. So there you go. Four specific things that make up this code of ethics. Seek truth and report it. Minimize harm. Act independently. And be accountable and transparent. Now, I have absolutely no idea if this is an all-inclusive list, like if this is something that's taught to journalism students in college, or if this is just a one-off code of ethics that was put forth by the society. But whatever the case, it seems pretty legit to me. Like when I think about a journalist or a news reporter, this is what I assume, right? This is what I assume from a journalist, that they're following rules like this so that the news we hear and see is accurate and valid. But let's take this one step further. Instead of these rules just applying to journalists, what if we applied them to our content creation? What if we agreed to follow a code of ethics like this when, let's say, we're writing for Transcend Human? Uh, What if I agreed to them when I did this podcast? Or better yet, shouldn't I? As a content creator, do I have some obligation to follow things like this in my research, in my writing, and in the things I say publicly? When you jump on the podcast, what are your expectations? Are you like, well, this must be true because he did the research and he wouldn't lie about stuff like this? Or are you more likely to think, yeah, right, this guy is off his rocker. I need to take most of the things he says with a grain of salt. Which leads us to our final section. Number three, navigating the chaotic future. 
So back to the two options above. Unfortunately, in this day and age, most of us probably experience the latter, right? We're, we're more likely to look at somebody's content and be like, yeah, right, this person is off their rocker. I need to take most of what they say with a grain of salt. Why? Because it's the wild, wild west right now. Content land is out of control. In section one, we discussed how content has changed over time and how many different ways we have to communicate today, right? But one thing that we didn't touch on is the speed at which we communicate. So think back to like primitive days, right? Where verbal communication had to go from person to person to person in order for it to spread. Today, I mean, think about how crazy different it is than that. I can post a piece of verbal communication on TikTok and the entire world can see it in less than an hour. Think about that for a minute. How much information is traveling around the globe at any given moment in time? Millions of content creators, billions of pieces of content, all happening at the speed of light. This is the chaotic present, and there's no telling what the chaotic future might look like. So what do we do? What do we do to navigate this mess that we find ourselves in? Well, let's start with what we can do as content creators, because that's really the easiest part. Step one, we can choose to be credible witnesses instead of false witnesses. It's really as simple as that. Tell the truth. Lovingly, of course. Choose to say things that are true. Choose to say things that are kind. Stay away from things that shade the truth. And stay away from things that could harm other people. If that was too general for you, maybe you should go back up and take a look at the Code of Ethics again, the one that we just walked through. Look at it in detail and then think about the content that you create through that lens. If you're doing it right, you'll probably know because it'll align with a lot of those ethical standards. But if you're doing it wrong, you should be able to see that pretty quickly as well. For me, on the Transcend Human podcast, I try to follow those guidelines. But there are also two very important things to consider when listening to my content. First, I try to provide factual information as well as my opinions. So a big part of what I do is providing facts, right? I do research. I do cross-research. I do multiple types of research. And then I pull it all together and I present it as factual information. And in order to convey this information, I typically either quote my sources or I list all of the research articles that I've done for that episode and I put it in the show notes under the references section. But if I'm proposing something new or if I'm discussing one of my opinions, I try to be pretty clear about the fact that I'm doing that. I'll say something like, I have no proof of this. It's just something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Or I've always wondered if this could be the case. See the difference? I'm telling you that I don't have a factual basis for the information, but I'm working through it and I'm trying to come up with a hypothesis to help me make sense of it. And then number two is the fact that I have a Christian worldview. So this is very important to understand because when I'm writing, this is one of my filters, right? It's a worldview that suggests a certain line of thinking. However, this line of thinking isn't the same for everyone. Not every Christian sees the world the same way that I do, and non-Christians will be even less likely to see the world the way I do, but that's okay. When I present something spiritual or religious as being a fact, it's because it is a fact to me. It's based on my worldview. 
But I'm not telling you that it has to be your truth, right? You have the freedom to choose the way you view the world. And I don't get to dictate that for you. When I listen to other podcasts, I'm listening for little nuggets of truth, things that I can incorporate into my life. Sometimes I find a lot. Other times I have to wade through the entire thing just to find some small nugget. And the same is true for Transcend Human. If you listen with an open mind and realize that we probably have different worldviews, then that's okay. Look for the nuggets that you resonate with and take those with you. Now, that was the easy part, is basically controlling your own behavior. But step number two is a little bit harder, right? Um, The hard part is living in a world where not everybody chooses to live this way. So step two is living in the chaotic present and knowing the future may only get worse. So what do I mean by chaotic? Well, the ever-increasing polarization in our country, for one, right? This has led to anger, bitterness, and tension between people. As we run our mouths, as we create content about our extreme positions, we throw gasoline on an already roaring fire. But this is what we face today, right? Wading through content like this in the news, online sources, through social media, we see people hunkering down in order to protect their beliefs, and it's ruining relationships in the process. Next, news outlets with agendas. So have you ever thought about it this way? The fact that news is often shaded with bias, personal biases that we don't even see. Now, on the one hand, we typically view news sources as journalists, right? And and we assume that they follow the code of ethics that we just read through. So if they're following the code of ethics, then what they're saying should be true. But we know that this isn't true. How? Because something will happen in our country, and based on the channel you're watching, you'll hear two totally different explanations of that event. Fox News will explain it one way. CNN will explain it another. How is that even possible, right? It's the same event. It's the same truth. But it's being told two very different ways from two very different worldviews. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Most people understand the political ideologies between Fox and CNN. But what about smaller news outlets and the average citizen who's just reporting the things that they see on social media? Do you question why they are reporting the things they're reporting? Do you even know the biases that they have, the political affiliations, the religious beliefs? This is why it can feel so chaotic these days. With all of the content out there online, it's really hard to know what's true and what's propaganda. Next up, don't bet on books. So if you're like me and spent a fair amount of time in the academic world, in that world, books and academic journals are king, right? They're viewed as the gospel truth, because we hold writers to similar standards as we hold the journalists. We assume that they did their research. We assume that they are simply writing about visible, testable, factual things. We assume that they check their bias at the door. So what we're reading must be true. But is it? Well, not always. Think about this logically. Well-meaning authors in the past wrote academic books that we now know are false. Medical journals describe procedures that we now know are inappropriate. They harm people instead of helping them. 
So even though we held these publications in high regard, many of them turned out to be false. Now, that doesn't mean that the author did it intentionally, right? Many theories have been proposed in good faith, only to be proven ineffective or harmful later in life. And I believe this happens still today, but perhaps at a growing rate. The publishing industry has grown into a monster. Profits are driving most of the content that we see today. And with the birth of self-publishing, we see even more content with even less oversight, meaning that the books that are out there are more likely to have false information than in the past, right? Because of the alarming rate of publishing that's going on. It makes it harder and harder and harder to view books as a credible source of information. And so the chaos rises. Next, we have the power of the soundbite or the hot take. So these days, we have way too much power at our fingertips. Think about it, right? The ability to tweet something in 10 seconds, the ability to record a three-minute video and shoot it out on TikTok in less than 10 minutes. And that's just going around the entire globe in, in a matter of minutes, right? So when people have that level of power at their fingertips, what tends to happen? Well, unfortunately, our content can become pretty pointed, pretty caustic. We call them sound bites or hot takes, but basically it's me throwing out a short snippet of opinion that is often controversial, condemning, antagonizing. Why? Because flammable content sells, right? It goes viral. It gets you likes. It gets you follows. It gets you interacting with other people. And those who created the social media platforms understand this because it works well for them too. Algorithms are built to harness the power of the sensational. Hot takes rise to the top and they're distributed to the world as the most popular content. This increases the viewership and it adds more people to the platform. In essence, it keeps people in a trance, watching, reading, and listening. Again, all the while boosting the profits for the social media platforms. Next, and our final area, is blurring the lines of reality. So this is really the last thing I want to touch on uh, when it comes to content. But this is what I would consider intentional chaos. So creating things that we know are false just to scare people, manipulate people, or reinforce a faulty belief system. And this can happen in a variety of ways, right? I mean, simply by saying things that aren't true, saying you saw something when you didn't, saying somebody did something when they didn't. Um, we have a lot of power when we open our mouths these days. But things are getting even more chaotic these days when it comes to video. So people are posting video clips that are out of context, right? Showing 30-second clips from a two-hour interview um, so that you might paint the presenter in a whole different light than if you had watched the full two hours. Or things are spliced together, right? Take two or three clips, put them all together, and all of a sudden you have a whole different point, a whole different set of reality. Or simply doctor the video the way you would a Photoshop image, right? In other words, it's not hard to take a video clip, add in something that looks like a UFO in the clouds, and there you go. You have a UFO video. Paranormal videos are even easier to create. Simply take a video clip of a dark room, add an element that looks like a ghost, fade it out so that you can barely see it, give it some movement, and voila, you have a paranormal video encounter. 
Now, with how easy it is to do this, we really need to be careful about what we watch, or better said, what we believe to be true about what we watch. But perhaps the most dangerous thing that people are playing with these days is what we call deep fake video. This is video produced with the help of AI and machine learning. Just search Google for top deep fake videos if you're interested in seeing what I'm talking about. But it's becoming more and more possible with the advances that we've come up with in computer technology. Computer processes are getting so fast and so capable that they can actually create video content if you just get them started in the right direction. Most deepfake videos are of people, typically people talking. So you, you take a, a picture or a video of a famous person, right, and you use that as the source. Then the computer uses that person and animates them based on the words that they're supposed to say. So in this way, a video clip is created where the person, let's just say Tom Cruise for the sake of this example, speaks a few sentences condemning the current president. Now, this is often done for fun. It's often used as parody on TV shows like SNL, things like that. But there have also been instances where video like this has been used in a harmful way to cause harm, to fool people into believing something that wasn't true. At this point, deepfake videos are still pretty easy to spot if you have a trained eye. But as they get better and better and better, it's going to reach a point to where we can't tell the difference. And when that happens, hold on to your butts because it's going to get very hard to watch TV or surf the internet. In a world where it's already difficult to navigate the chaos, this could be the ultimate form of that chaos. If you watch a video clip of a respected person telling you to do something, warning you about something that isn't even true, or suggesting something is real when it's not, think about how difficult it might be not to be swayed by that person's appeals. Not just situations like that, but also because of the prevalence of such videos. Think about the amount that we have right now. It's, a, it's probably a pretty small percentage of the content that's on the internet. However, what happens when they're all over the internet and we don't know whether they're deep fakes or actual video clips, right? At that point, we'll have no choice but to start doubting everything we see or hear. And if it gets to the place where we can't tell what is real or fake, then we're just going to assume that everything is fake and we're going to check out. And how sad will that be, right? To live in a world where you can't even tell what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's fake. To hear thousands of messages every day, data coming in, data going out, some messages that are alarming, and yet we're paralyzed to do anything because we don't even know if it's legitimate or not. Friends, that's almost the world we live in today, but I fear it's only going to get worse as time goes on. So let's land the plane. Um, sorry things got a little dark there at the end. A little pessimistic, or should I say realistic, because this day content is everything, right? From big media companies like NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, CNN, Netflix, Hulu, Discovery, uh, Amazon, Disney, Apple, HBO. I mean, think about all of the different platforms that are out there pumping out media, right? Then think about all the social media platforms and all the content that's on social media. And that's a lot. And then think about all of those messages that are pumping into your head every single day. Think about the lies that we've been sucked into believing 
or possibly worse, the truths that we've written off as lies. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good movie, TV show, TikTok post, just like the rest of you. But you have to admit that we're living in really strange times. And the ability for the content we consume to guide us down certain pathways is only getting worse. The biggest is probably through the proliferation of conspiracy theories, right? Ideas that sound plausible, but are most likely not true. And the more you hear, the less you feel like you know about the world. And we wonder why anxiety and depression are at an all-time high. But I digress. This week, ask yourself the following questions. First, are you surprised at how much content has changed over time? And even in the last 20 years. Number two, what are your thoughts about being an accurate witness? Do you think it applies to you? Do you think it applies to the content that you create? If so, how are you doing with that? And finally, how are you navigating the chaos of the present day? And have you thought about the way that content might impact you in your future? Well, folks, that's it. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for checking us out. If you're new, if you're a veteran, uh, good to be with you again. Um, Love having you on the program with us. Love you joining us on the journey. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. Be selective with your content. And as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels. And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.